Welcome to the Exam Room Rambles podcast, where veterinarian Dr. Tracy Westergaard shares the same tips, opinions, and explanations she gives you in the exam room, only without barking dogs or hissing cats. We're really glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Hello, thanks for tuning into Exam Room Rambles. This is Dr. Tracy, and today I'm going to talk about a topic that is really in my heart, but I feel kind of helpless about, and that's rabies. So, Obviously, I do a lot to prevent rabies. I vaccinate dogs and cats and horses for rabies all day, but I'm talking about rabies worldwide. You see, September 28th, which is coming up, is World Rabies Day, and that's been eh, not celebrated. Celebrated is not the right word. Acknowledged as a day to educate everyone on rabies in the world, and it's been a, a day since 2007. Now, the reason we celebrate World Rabies Day on September 28th every year is because that is the anniversary of the death of Louis Pasteur, and he is the guy that developed the first rabies vaccine. You probably recognize that name from pasteurization, too. He is one of the the many founding fathers of modern microbiology. We actually owe a lot to Louis Pasteur. You don't hear people talking about World Rabies Day in the United States. In fact, I I looked at a map of essentially celebrations this year, and there's only two of them in the United States. And probably that's partly because of COVID, and we're all social distancing. But worldwide on the map, there are dots everywhere of educational programs and rabies vaccination drives and events going on corresponding with this day. You see, rabies is a much bigger deal across the ocean, specifically in Africa and Asia, where we truly have a terrible rabies situation. How bad? How bad is this rabies? These numbers are just going to break your heart. They break mine. An estimated 59,000 human deaths occur every year in 150 different countries, mainly in Africa and Asia, from rabies. That's a person dying every nine minutes from rabies. And the worst of it is, most of these victims are children, specifically little boys. In fact, boys are four times more likely than girls to get rabies. In these places, boys like to have dogs as companions, and they're also more likely to be out interacting with wildlife. In the United States, we only have one to two deaths from rabies every year. And we only have about 5,000 animal cases. So we obviously have our rabies situation under control, even though we do have rabies in our wildlife population. We have the vaccination protocols. We have safe animal handling and animal interacting education in our schools and in our homes. How to interact with animals when they encounter them outside. So the organization that kind of promotes World Rabies Day is the Global Alliance for Rabies Control. And this is, I believe, based out of the United States, but it is a worldwide effort. Every year they have a theme, and this year the theme is End Rabies, Collaborate, Vaccinate. And their overall goal from year to year, and this is a very noble goal, is to prevent human death from dog-mediated rabies and relieve the burden in other species, especially dogs. Because honestly, these dogs are suffering too when they get rabies. Rabies is not a human disease. Humans just happen to get it. We could theoretically transmit it, but we don't. We're just an accidental host. 
There are a few countries that have managed to eradicate rabies or just naturally don't have it. Now, rabies is on every continent except for Antarctica yet, but global warming and things changing in Antarctica, I wouldn't be surprised if it shows up there in the next 30 years. Japan, Ireland, Scotland, Sweden, Belgium, Singapore, Aruba, some of the Caribbean countries, and England and the state Hawaii are all places that don't have rabies. And actually, to bring an animal into those places, you have to jump through quite a few hoops. You have to have titers. You have to have proof of multiple vaccinations to get your animal imported into those countries. And I'm sure there are more countries that do not have rabies, but those are some ones we know for sure. The reason rabies is such a big deal is because there is absolutely no effective treatment And as far as we know, it is just 100% fatal. It is, however, 100% preventable. We have a super effective vaccine for many species. The problem is that it's hard to get vaccine to the places that need them. And why? Because these are places where there is poor and vulnerable populations. They don't necessarily have clean drinking water, sanitation, maybe not even electricity. So rabies is classified as a neglected tropical disease. There's a lot of them out there. You know, rabies vaccine needs to be refrigerated, but they need to get these vaccines and store them to places that are severely underdeveloped. And that's one of the issues. Now, I do hope in my lifetime when my kids are out of school and I um, have some more me time, it has always been one of my goals to go on a mission trip, a veterinary mission trip, to sub-Saharan Africa and be part of a group that vaccinates, spays, and neuters dogs and cats. It really is a noble cause. The other issue in these areas of socioeconomic disadvantage is dog turnover. There's literally a 25% turnover of dogs because of other diseases, parvo and parasites and other things, that you have to keep the vaccination program going. It's not just a go in once, vaccinate everybody, everything, and then leave. It's got to be an ongoing process. It's sad to know that we have had a rabies vaccine for over a hundred years, and we still can't get rabies vaccines to the places that need it. I'm just going to say that number one more time. 60,000 human deaths every year, most of them children, because of rabies. And it's got to be an awful death. You know it's got to be an awful death. It's just terrible. So now that I've kind of ruined your day, (laughs) I'm going to try to talk a little more specifically about rabies in the United States and why you should feel so damn lucky to be here. So we do have rabies in the United States. We have specific animal, wild animal carriers, and it's in specific locations. And this is where there's a lot of misunderstanding and miseducation. So our natural hosts in the United States are bats, and bats everywhere in the United States. So whether you live in Maine or Minnesota or Arizona, bats are a risk for rabies. How about skunks? Skunks are actually our our natural host here in the upper Midwest. In fact, the entire Midwest. Um, The center of North America, from way up high in Canada down through Texas, skunks are our natural hosts. So, this is where it gets tricky. So, do raccoons in Minnesota carry rabies? No, they actually don't. The only way that a raccoon is going to have rabies in Minnesota or in the upper Midwest is if they were bitten by a skunk or a bat. 
we don't have endemic rabies in our raccoon population. However, they have endemic raccoon rabies on the East Coast. So do they have it in their skunks? I honestly don't know. I, I didn't look too much into the East Coast. But there are certain animals in certain areas of the United States that carry it endemically. Coyotes are another one. Do we have rabies in our coyote population in Minnesota? No, we don't. That coyote would have to be bitten. Um, no, not raccoon, skunk. <laughs> I'm twisting up my own words. So what you need to know if you live in Minnesota is that bats and skunks are your rabies risk for your pets. A skunk has to bite your cat. A skunk has to bite your dog. A skunk has to bite your cow. A bat has to bite your cow. A bat has to bite your dog or cat. And it is possible because cats and dogs are hunters and skunks are easy targets. If you live in Maine, New York, North Carolina, you need to worry about raccoons and bats. If you live in Texas, you need to worry about skunks, bats, but not raccoons. And you probably need to worry about your coyotes. Now, there are a couple other critters around the United States that have locations where rabies is endemic in their population. And I'm sorry, I don't know them. You can Google that map. But just understand, and your veterinarian will know, so you can call your veterinarian and ask what you need to worry about. There's a bunch of species that we just flat out do not need to worry about. And the lower the animal is on the food chain and the closer they are to vegetarian, the less you need to worry about. It's definitely um, not an issue in squirrels, mice, other rodents, bunny rabbits, one exception is groundhogs, but I think it's groundhogs in a specific location, and I don't remember that. But if you live in Minnesota and you get bit by a groundhog, we'll just call the rabies hotline. <laughs> so that, that's what's awesome. We have a rabies hotline. Every state does. We get a lot of small rodent bites. People see an injured little ground squirrel or an actual like baby squirrel that falls out of a tree, um, baby bunnies those kind of things, injured bunnies, and people get bit by those critters all the time. You know, they're trying to help. They see an injured animal and we call the rabies hotline. And in Minnesota, they do not think it is necessary to test those animals. That baby squirrel would have had to been bitten by a bat or a raccoon, not a raccoon in Minnesota, bitten by a bat or a skunk to be contagious. So those are just not risks. We do not need to send those in. So earlier I had mentioned there are 5,000 cases of rabies in the United States, and most of those are bats. But of um, the other animals, and I didn't do the math here, but if you, if you want to, you sure can, um, 60 to 65 of those 5,000 animals are rabies that are rabies positive are dogs. 250 are cats. 35 are cattle, and 13 are horse and mules. So that's nationwide. So that gives you a little bit of a risk breakdown. Farm cats and feral cats are definitely a risk. And usually people are exposed when they're trying to help. They see a cat that is sick. Um, they go to try to help that cat. They get bit. There is a magic number with rabies that everyone should know, and that is 10 days. So there's a lot we don't know about rabies as far as the incubation. Some studies show that rabies could incubate for 
a year, 45 days, one week. A lot of it depends on where on the body the bite is because the virus has to travel through the nervous system, through the tissue, into the central nervous system, and into the salivary glands. Rabies is only contagious. There's only active virus in the last 10 days before that animal dies. So sick animals, unvaccinated animals, 10 days is the magic number for quarantine. If an animal is quarantined for 10 days and they don't die in that period, they don't show clinical signs, you're in the clear. Now, the quickest means to an ends as far as an answer on whether or not an animal is rabies is to euthanize and test the head. There is no test for rabies in a live animal. They have to be dead. And we have to have intact brain. And this has been a problem too in our kind of um, rural, a little bit, I don't want to say backwoods. We don't have a lot of trees in the prairie. A lot of times people shoot wildlife that they're concerned about. Dog wanders on, not a dog. A skunk wanders into their yard in the middle of day and the skunk is acting not fearful and it's very uncharacteristic. They'll shoot it. But we can't test that animal if it gets shot in the head. We also can't test if it's been frozen. For bats, a lot of people will smash the bats to smithereens until the point there is no recognizable brain tissue. Remember, bats are so tiny. So if it is something that you want tested, we have to be careful with how we euthanize or how we kill that animal and try to keep the brain intact and not to freeze it. If you have an animal, a wild animal, that you want tested to read, tested for rabies. Expect to have to pay for that. It's usually between $1 and $200. And if there's human exposure, you're just going to have to pay that money. It's too important not to. You can seek guidance through the rabies hotline, through your veterinarian. There are certain situations where it is like truly a risk and you don't know you need to test. But there's other situations where it's just not a big deal or not a big risk and you don't have to test. I'm going to give you a couple real-life examples. I remember a case in the last, I don't know, 10 years. I live in a time warp, so I don't really know, of a veterinarian in New Ulm that got bit by a cat in the exam room that had not been vaccinated. This was a three-year-old cat that had never had a rabies vaccine. It had never been to a vet clinic. And the owners were bringing in, in to euthanize because it was having severe aggression towards the family members. And the veterinarian got bit in the handling of this animal to be euthanized. And because it wasn't vaccinated, they sent the head in. And sure enough, this cat that was born and raised in the house, never been outside, tested positive for rabies. And luckily, the, vac the veterinarian was vaccinated, but people in the household had to go through um, prophylactic treatment. It didn't occur to them that they could have rabies in their house cat. Well, guess what? We have bats in our homes. Even new construction can have bats in it. It's actually very common. There are bat-proofing companies or services that can bat-proof your home. Um, we live in an old house, almost 100 years old, and we had a bat problem 15, 20 years ago. And we paid about $800 way back then to have our home bat-proofed. So definitely something to consider whether you're in new construction or old construction. Also, one of the reasons we absolutely want indoor cats vaccinated for rabies and outdoor cats and indoor dogs and outdoor dogs and horses and any animals that we're having contact with every single day. Another example, this is kind of a sad one, of 
a rabies case that we had in the city limits of Marshall. And this was a puppy. This puppy was young, less than 12 weeks old, and it was not vaccinated because legally we can't vaccinate a dog that young. And the owners found a dead bat in the kennel with the puppy when they woke up, and the puppy was using it as a chew toy. And we were able to test it, and it tested positive for rabies. This bat was in their home. And I don't quite remember the outcome. This has been well, before Brooke was born, so um, it's been, you know, 12, 13 years. And I think we ended up euthanizing that dog per recommendation of the state, simply because they were unaware of any kind of incubation period, and they were unaware of a small bite on the dog. So um, that puppy had to be euthanized. A third case where Dr. Pat actually got bit in an exam room at Marshall Animal Clinic was um, the farm cat that was acting kind of funny and sick and not itself. This was a family that had small children, and they had multiple barn cats, and one of the cats was acting kind of goofy, brought it into the clinic, pretty much went crazy in the exam room, even though it was normally a, a mild-mannered tame cat. And Pat had a hunch that this rabies was a possibility. And because it bit her, the owner agreed to euthanize this cat. And sure enough, that was positive. And once again, Pat had been vaccinated for rabies. She still had to go through a booster complex. But that family had to go through, through prophylactic exposure, the, the ones in the family that got scratched and bit. Rabies is not an urban legend. It's for real. It's alive and well in Minnesota. I could tell many more cases of rabies, even in our local small town area. But it is very important to keep up with your vaccines of both indoor pets and outdoor pets. So I'm, I'm approaching that 20-minute mark, which I like to cut off my podcast at 20 minutes. I just want to summarize that, that rabies is an awful disease. I think that the animals and people that get it suffer extreme. It is so easy to prevent with a vaccine. We don't have the means and the money to get vaccine to where it is needed in the world, but there are organizations that are working on it, and uh, you can contribute to that. The other thing you can contribute to the overall rabies problem is education. Vaccinate your pets. Encourage people to vaccinate pets. Contribute to organizations that vaccinate feral animals and that spay and neuter feral animals. Help control the pet population. And educate children and people on handling animals appropriately and when to intervene and when to not. Don't interact with wild animals, especially if they appear sick. Call animal control if it's something close to home. Another sad and depressing episode of Exam Room Rambles. You can find me at the Marshall Animal Clinic during regular business hours, 507-537-1537, or our website, marshallanimalclinic.com. If you'd like to send me a message, have an idea for the podcast, a comment, constructive criticism, I can be reached at examroomrambles at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.